0: This episode, we're joined by Tony Sarmiento, recent retiree and garlic-obsessed gardener. Hey, Tony. Hey, how are you? How Good, how are you doing?
1: It's been a beautiful few days for being out in the garden. Great time for weeding, not too hot.
0: Soil's moist.
1: Yeah, it's been great.
0: Yeah, we've been like blessed with some pretty temperate low humidity days for
1: absolutely
0: for mid june that's surprising and and some nice rains So that's yes. been good too so um you are our area garlic expert um you've been a speaker at garlic festivals you've been interviewed by the washington post about your garlic knowledge yes and, adrian
1: higgins was yep. uh came to visit mm-hmm. back uh 2018 or 2019. He it was, it was, was. He wrote a wonderful column in the Washington Post.
0: Nice. So how did that love of garlic start for you? Well
1: um, I think the first time I actually was inspired to grow garlic was I was out in Seattle at the Pike Place Market. It was the first time I ever saw elephant garlic. And it just looked huge and unusual. So I bought a couple bulbs and I brought one home and ate that and the other one we planted. And, um, it was interesting, but the, anyone who knows about elephant garlic knows it's much milder than regular garlic Mm
0: -hmm.
1: because botanically it's actually closer to being a leek than a true garlic invented by Luther Burbank. And, um, from there we learned about different kinds of garlic. And saw that we could grow garlic that had great flavor and was still easy to peel.
0: Great. And you were out there as a tourist.
1: Yes, that's right.
0: So, and you make your your home um, in Silver Spring, Maryland. And how much of your growing space have you devoted to garlic?
1: Oh, I just usually grow uh, garlic. And I try to practice good organic practice by rotating crops. And so I just have a couple beds maybe every year out of my eight beds.
0: That's a good point to talk about rotating um, your crops around. So what would affect the garlic uh, should you leave it in the same bed year after year?
1: Well, you run the risk of getting disease, uh, like anything that if you're monocropping, growing the same Uh, vegetable or fruit in the same place year after year, you're increasing the odds that there'll be some kind of disease that will attack that uh, particular crop. In fact, that really has been the problem with Gilroy, uh, garlic growing Gilroy. Gilroy is probably the most well-known so-called garlic capital of the United States. It first was, um, started growing garlic when the in the in the past it used to be the prune capital of the country mm. but then uh Ex-Lex was invented and the demand for prunes dropped so they looked for another crop and it, they found garlic but because they've been monocropping for a long time many of the fields are are full of disease and they've had to uh for a number of reasons shift production shift growing uh to mexico or importing garlic from China. China's the biggest exporter of garlic. I think uh, the something close to 60 to 70% of the, all garlic consumed in the United States is actually grown in China.
0: Well, and that's what you would typically find at your local supermarket, correct?
1: That's correct. Although, what's been interesting, and I don't know if this is because of the reaction of the, uh, the marketplace to the pandemic. But at our local giant food, they were selling really beautiful hardneck garlic grown in Mexico. I tracked it down, talked to the produce manager at our local giant food. He was kind enough to bring out the box, and it was grown in Mexico, claimed to be organic. And it was beautiful stuff, really um, big bulbs, maybe um, five or six cloves per bulb. Very tasty.
0: Well, wow. And I would imagine another, the reason to, to shift your crop to, crops around um, besides holding disease in the soil is that you're depleting the soil of the nutrients that garlic might need.
1: Yes. It's it's not a particularly heavy feeder, but it does like to have a, you know, a soil that's uh, rich in organic matter, uh, pretty well balanced pH uh, around seven and, um, Nothing like uh, adding compost every time you plant.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so any organic matter you can add to it. Do you add anything else, uh, like a fish fertilizer or anything else to your soil mix?
1: You know, I have I keep on thinking I should do it, but I never get around to uh, putting down some f- fish emulsion. Mm-hmm. Uh, some growers will spray it on, but the The uh, leaf of the garlic has has sort of a waxy coating, so it doesn't stick. So actually, the fertilizer just drips down to the ground, which is fine. But um, one of these days, I'll finally get around to doing it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, let me know if that makes any difference in your results.
1: Yeah, I think uh, from some of the research, uh, the Garlic Seed Foundation, if you Google it, you'll find it, it has some wonderful links to the best scientific knowledge about growing garlic and the types of garlic. Um, And I think the latest research says that if you've got pretty fertile soil, you really don't get much return on uh, adding uh, fish emulsion. But if you don't have uh, fertile soil, then any fertilizer like fish emulsion will help.
0: Great to know. Uh, So you mentioned in passing hardneck garlic. Um, so for our listeners, could you briefly define hardneck versus softneck?
1: Sure. So there's uh, the research, the botanical research on garlic is actually fairly recent. I think it, it was done in 2006 where they finally did some DNA testing and they collected all, you know, hundreds of garlics that people claim to be different uh, maybe look different, had gone by going by different names. Um, and after all the research, the, the, what they discovered was that there are really only ten distinct garlic types. And of the ten there's really two big groups. One is called a hard neck and the other is called a soft neck. Now the big uh, the way you tell the difference is that a hard neck will have this woody, sort of stalk in the center of the bulb that um, a soft neck will not have. Soft neck is more commonly found in grocery stores. And it's the kind that let's say you'll find uh, people braiding because it's, it's easier to braid a soft neck because it does not have a woody stem. Typically the soft neck will have large clothes on the outside. And smaller cloves on the inside, while hard necks will have large cloves that go all the way to the center of the, of the bulb, and you'll have maybe six or seven um, big cloves. It's great for cooking because you have less to peel, and plus, if you like to roast garlic, uh, the, the garlic cloves are much bigger. It's just great to serve them. Mm-hmm.
0: And I think one of the other big differences is that with the hardneck, you get the bonus of escapes. Uh,
1: Absolutely. So the in the uh, the, the garlic uh, that you grow, let's say here in the metropolitan Washington area or in the Mid Atlantic or the Northeast, you plant it in the fall, and um, it doesn't it isn't bothered by snow or frost or freezing. Um, and oftentimes it's one of the first things that, com- that you'll see in your garden comes up. And, and then in early May, sometimes late April, um, if you've grown, if you planted a hardneck garlic, you'll see something emerging from the center of the plant that looks like it's about to form a flower. It is not a flower. Uh, it's a scape. And you can clip that and eat it the same way you could. Uh, stir fry it you can grill it you can uh, make a pesto instead of uh, using basil use these scapes it's very tasty
0: mm-hmm. yeah and i always tell people you know one day you'll be in the garden and you won't see anything on your garlic and then literally the next day there's scapes it's just it,
1: it is amazing it's so quick um, and overnight
0: and yes. you really have you really have to look closely for it just looks like a pigtail emerged
1: Yes. So it starts to curl. And then if you, if you miss some, it'll, it'll change it. It'll, it'll grow straight up. Mm -hmm. So it grows into a curl and then it straightens and gets very tall. Uh, The hardneck garlic that I grow, if you let it grow all the way uh, without clipping the scape, it'll be close to four and a half, five feet tall. And, uh, what you sacrifice then is if you let the scapes get to that point, um, you'll have a smaller bulb
0: mm-hmm.
1: because all that energy in growing that, that scape uh, is diverted from growing a bigger bulb.
0: Yeah. But the, and then the great thing is when you clip those scapes and you get that initial harvest that you can eat almost immediately. And it's kind of like a, a precursor, a baby harvest to that's what you're right. going to get. That's, yep.
1: that's correct. Now, of the uh, hardneck garlics, one of the ways you can tell the differences among the eight uh, distinct hardneck types are what kind of bulbs are formed at the end of the uh, of the scape. If you let the scape grow all the way to maturity, some oh. of the bulbals are um, the size of grains of rice, and uh, often. People grow around here. They, they'll grow a porcelain garlic, that'll that'll develop that scape with the with very small uh, bulbils. and then another uh, type of hardneck that's grown around here that does well is a bowl. and here the bulbils are the size of let's say a pea or a kernel of corn. It's very, very different. You can oh. tell right away,
0: and then. There's the German white. Is that part of that same
1: family? Yeah, German white is also, is is in the family or the type of porcelain garlics.
0: Mm. Yeah, I think that is the one I see the most often at farmer's markets. Or Mm -hmm. sometimes they'll have a similar one, a purple stripe, which has like a very, very pale violet stripe to it.
1: Yeah, the purple stripes actually the are tricky. There's actually again based on this research, there are three types of purple stripes. Um, some are known as a Siberian, another is called a purple glazer, and another common name for the third type of purple stripe is a Chesnock red. Mm-hmm. Now the um, the skin of the garlic is not a reliable way to determine t- what type of garlic it is. It's one indicator, but garlic is a funny crop in that just like the Vidalia onion and the Walla Walla onion and the Maui sweet onion, they're all botanically the same onion as a yellow granex onion. So much of garlic in terms of appearance, flavor, size, depends entirely on where it's grown and what type of conditions what kind of soil how much sun hmm. uh, those kinds of things
0: hmm. so it sounds like a fine wine could, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's correct you could uh, right. say that this was a great year for garlic maybe it's two one of a year sometimes you know maybe it's a uh, uh the soil in the region just doesn't support great garlic. But I think in the mid Atlantic, we grow some great garlic in my opinion.
1: Absolutely. But with the variations can be very interesting. So some friends from the silver spring village, uh, I know they wanted to grow a little garlic, you know, tiny, like maybe uh, six to a half a dozen to a dozen plants. And we planted, i helped them plant it in last fall and, they just live less than a mile away from where I grow my garlic in my backyard. And they got their scapes a couple of weeks ahead of me. And you and you're, you you got scapes pretty early, too, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've already made my garlic pesto with the scapes. And I have made actually two batches, and that is long gone. <laughs> so, yeah, I tend to get them, I think around the first week of march uh not first week of march sorry first week of may
1: Mm -hmm. and then the other thing about scapes that's very interesting is that if you grow a lot or even if you grow a handful and you and you can't eat it all once you harvest it they will store for remarkably long time and the way to store them is you take the scapes and at least the way i do it is uh Put them in a Ziploc bag, uh, f- throw a few droplets of water, and and then seal it, and put it in your in your uh, vegetable bin or a hy- hydrator in your refrigerator, and they'll last months. They okay. will dry a little bit towards the tip, but in terms of the main body, they last for a long time.
0: Yeah, that's great to know, especially um, hardneck is notoriously not, um, as long lasting in storage as soft neck.
1: I think that's that's correct. Yeah. And that's
0: maybe why so much more soft neck is available, um, on, in the general market where it can sit around for months, maybe in a warehouse.
1: Yes. And And I think also that, uh, for the tons of garlic that is being shipped from China, they'll, perhaps store them in a controlled uh, atmosphere Mm -hmm. is another way to maintain its uh, viability in the marketplace. But just like a tomato, uh, there's nothing like fresh garlic you've grown yourself and you know where it came from. And uh, it's just much fresher than having garlic that's been on a container ship for months. Mm
0: -hmm. And by fresh, you mean not straight out of the ground and into your mouth. (laughs)
1: <laughs> That's correct. Because yeah. once you uh, harvest garlic, uh, my garlic is still in the ground. I probably will dig it up in the next couple of weeks. Um, then have to cure it, just like onions need to be cured. So you can hang it in your shed, or, or just as long as it's so outside of direct sunlight, um, and it cures and dries in a couple of weeks, and then it'll store uh, much better. And also it'll have a a better flavor because the with curing, what you're doing is some of the moisture is leaving the bulb, And so the flavor is more concentrated.
0: Hmm. And yeah, usually I put mine on a old laundry rack and just put it in a corner somewhere. Of course, um, inside your house, it will smell like garlic. And it's right. that's not bad, that? Right? I was going to say, that's not an entirely bad thing. <laughs> just know that I know, I know when I come down for breakfast in the morning, I'm like, what is that garlic smell? And I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> that's right. I forgot yeah, was I was curing garlic.
1: One year we hung it uh, in our front porch, and that was a little odd, but it was a great environment for it. You had breeze and it was in the shade. Um, now I hang it in the, sh- in the shed. You also, as you do, you could also just put them on a rack if you don't have a whole lot of uh, you've grown mm-hmm. and just let it dry that way.
0: Hmm. Now, um, when you're purchasing your garlic, what are your favorite sources?
1: Well, I think the uh, best place for garlic is going to your local farmer's market. We're lucky here in Silver Spring and Tacoma Park to have two wonderful farmer's markets. Um, And the growers there uh, are proud of what they've grown. I've seen in the last few weeks, they've had beautiful looking scapes. Uh, I I think that uh, most of the farmer's markets in the area will be selling garlic as well.
0: Mm -hmm. And that's for cooking and eating with. um, But how about seed garlic? Do you uh, save the best one of this year's crop to propagate that that one again or yes. do you buy fresh seed garlic every year Well,
1: i, I do both um for garlic though as long as i um takes time to save some of the best looking garlic yeah so it's always better to uh, grow garlic year after year from the garlic that you've grown yourself because it's adapted itself to your garden your climate your soil um But you're all, you know, like any gardener, you're always interested in trying out new stuff. And so, if if I'm at a farmer's market and the garlic looks really interesting or big or um, unusual, um, then I'll buy it from a farmer's market. I never buy garlic that I intend to plant at a grocery store because too often the garlic there has been treated to prevent it from growing mm-hmm. uh, now obviously if you go to an organic market uh, it should not have been treated but I think for the most part uh, buying from a f- farmer's market from a farmer that you've gotten to know over uh, over the months or the years that you've been a customer is just the best way to because you, you You can ask them to confirm that they grew the garlic themselves and and it hasn't been treated. Mm -hmm. I think another option you have, which I have not done, but I guess some people do, is is to buy garlic mail order. I I think it's unnecessary. I don't think you need to do that if you've got access to a farmer's market. Again, Mm -hmm. unless you're looking for a particular kind and just don't, get swayed by the marketing that often is uh, part of the pitch in terms of why you should grow or buy this garlic that they're selling remember there's, there's really only 10 types um, and I urge you to look at the um, garlic seed foundation website to acquaint yourself with what the real types are and then uh, if, if the only way you can find it is mail order then, then you have no choice
0: Mm -hmm. And you could also um, trade amongst, you know, fellow gardeners is another way to get some. Absolutely. And and I was going to say, just for the listeners who might be first-time garlic growers, uh, I wanted to just drop the hint that you're not planting the entire head. Um, You're going to break it up into the individual cloves. Yes. Um, So... It, one could have six and you don't eight, and you ten. don't
1: have to peel the cloves. You just breaking them apart, mm-hmm. and then you're planting it, maybe a couple inches. Now this is all in the fall, mm-hmm. um, October, November. i planted as late as early December. Um, but you're planting it with the pointy side up, and a couple inches uh, under underground.
0: Mm-hmm. And if you know, when you're breaking apart that head, and say one of the cloves does come out of its little jacket, um, that's probably still fine yeah, to plant. That's fine. Yeah,
1: and yep. certainly if you see garlic, uh, a clove that looks uh, like it's got maybe a little mold on it, or or doesn't look quite right or mm-hmm. soft, then don't plant that one.
0: Yeah, if you if you see any sign of rot or squishiness, that one is uh, throw that one out. And that's but both the, both for yes. eating and for planting. <laughs> yeah, that's right.
1: Now uh it, it's okay to eat it if it has some uh dark spots on it. There I've forgotten what it's called, infusarium or something. And mm-hmm. um it's pretty common. Uh ideally you don't want to have uh have it in, in your soil or in your uh garlic that you're planting, but sometimes it's unavoidable. And the other thing to keep in mind is that you've got to choose a sunny spot. If you've never grown garlic before, it, it really needs a lot of sun. And I know I, oftentimes people ask, can I grow it in pots? I, I don't think I've found a person yet who's been successful in growing garlic in a container. Mm-hmm. It just uh, between the depth of the roots, the micro-roots... Uh, are much deeper than one would think. Plus the difficulty of keeping the moisture in this, in in that pot relatively even, Mm -hmm. Uh, you're just not going to have much success.
0: Yeah. A lot of times when not just with garlic uh, bulbs, but with um, ornamental fall bulbs, say tulips and daffodils, it's very difficult in our area because our winters tend to be wet um, and what happens is they rot in the containers. Um, so it's very hard for people to keep them on the dry side um, and to get those bulbs still chilled enough to come up in the spring.
1: Yeah, it's a, I think botanically, the garlic and tulips are cousins.
0: Mm-hmm. And tulips are edible, by the way. So it's probably one of the more expensive tubers you might have, but yeah, (laughs) but if you planted tulips and had success, the same, you know, it'll be the same thing for garlic for you, except for tulips can take a little more deciduous shade, whereas garlic, you want that to be out in the full sun by itself. Yeah.
1: And, and, you know, you plant maybe six inches apart. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, it doesn't want to compete with other plants sun or moisture so you you obviously need to keep it weeded Um, mulching it with straw or grass clippings or even wood chips will work Um, but but if you plant too close then the leaves of the garlic will compete with each other and you won't be happy with the your outcome Mm
0: -hmm. plus when you go to dig them out with your spade um, in, say, mid-June, beginning of July, when you're digging them out, you don't want to risk uh, stabbing into the soil and stabbing into one of your precious garlic. That's right. <laughs> I've, yeah. I've, I've, my I've favorite said, method
1: yeah. is uh, using a digging fork.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was saying that from the voice of experience. <laughs> Somebody who's <laughs> stabbed right. through stabbed through a garlic yeah, before and fun. been like, ugh. <laughs> so uh we talked a little bit of a black spot and and not damaging your bulbs when you're pulling them out, but I'm thinking in particular of when you're prepping garlic for competition. So I know, Tony, that you have been a ribbon winner at the Maryland right. State Fair for your garlic. Um, can you talk a little bit about what maybe those state fair judges and county fair judges are looking for in the perfect garlic?
1: Sure. It's been a while since we competed, but we we did win the blue ribbon at the Maryland State Fair in Timonium four years in a row. In the first four years, they had a garlic category. Wow. And then we got beat by a real farmer, uh, our friend's uh, <laughs> Jack and Becky Gurley, who run Calvert's Gift Farm that sell in the Tacoma Park Farmers Market, but basically you have to submit six bulbs that look exactly like one another and also fit the ideal garlic in the mind's eye of the judge. So you can't—you don't just submit one bulb; you have got to s- submit six exact uh, replicas they have to look exactly like you trim the roots you make sure there's no dirt on it mm-hmm. um clip them so it shows it's you know uh, it's true beauty because you have to remember that the uh state fairs and county fairs part of the history of those fairs was to promote uh the development of the marketing skills of farmers, Mm -hmm. it wasn't enough for farmers to know how to grow stuff, but they now had to learn how to make their produce look appealing to the consumer. And that's really what the state and county fair competitions were all about. Mm -hmm. Of course, 4-H was uh, to promote that among young people.
0: Yeah. It took me a few years of of entering in the county fair to realize that, uniformity was the goal <laughs> yes <laughs> it wasn't just quantity or size or anything and i also found out with the garlic category at the county fair i think i came in second one year and i was, could not figure out why and then i looked at the first place winner and they had cut their hardneck stalks uh, at about three inches long mm. and mine were cut right above the bulb right at the nub uh. that was the only difference i could see and i was like er yeah
1: the- so the Montgomery county fair um mm-hmm. has a garlic category now
0: it does but, yeah,
1: but when we competed uh back in the probably the mid nineties, there was no garlic category, so we had to compete in the always infamous, tricky other vegetable category mm-hmm. so we won for our garlic our elephant garlic, and I think one year we won for the leeks we grew.
0: Yeah. yeah. I think leaks might still be under other. I'm not sure about that yeah. at this point, but yeah, I think in the last county fair, I saw at least eight other entries in garlic, which was nice to see. Yeah. Um, so with COVID um, and social distancing this year, I'm not sure mm-hmm. um, how the county and state fairs will proceed if they do at all this year. Um, but if they do go on in 2020 and certainly in 2021, I encourage everybody to enter something into the county fairs. And I, I encourage
1: everyone to, if you haven't grown garlic before, try it. It is such, it's an easy crop. You don't have to be struggling with these tiny little seeds, like carrot seeds. You got a big clove. You put it in the ground. Deer don't eat it. Frost and snow don't bother it. Uh, mm-hmm. You just have to have a sunny spot. And, and yeah. it's, it's very satisfying to uh, see this thing come up in the spring. And the only downside to growing garlic is that it does occupy your space in your garden, especially if it's a small garden and you don't have a lot of sun. But it's worth, it's worth trying.
0: Mm-hmm. And it's the ultimate set it and forget it plant. <laughs>
1: <Right>. <laughs> just keep it weeded.
0: Yeah, keep it weeded and then look out for those scapes because uh, you don't want to miss miss that bonus harvest there. Um, so in the past couple of years, we've shared a booth. Um, Tacoma Hort Club um, has done a garlic festival booth at the Tacoma Farmers Market. Um, and we've had you there answering garlic questions and Uh, talking about different garlic varieties to the public. Um, Again, because of COVID, that's likely not happening this year. Uh, But part of that festival was doing different garlic tastes. And we had a a chef who provided different garlic recipes for us. And then there was a local gelato store that made garlic ice cream. Did you get a chance to try out that ice cream last time, Tony? I did. It
1: was wonderful.
0: Yeah, it's not what you would think. (laughs) That you're like when somebody tells you they're going to give you a scoop of garlic ice cream, but it's actually it's actually I thought pretty mild and mellow.
1: Yeah, because that garlic actually has a lot of sugar in it, and when you uh, sauté it, you're uh, caramelizing those sugars. So that's one of the reasons why you you can get a nice sweet, uh, garlicky flavor. The other thing about Garlic that gets promoted is the health uh effects the oh it's good for your health to eat garlic. It is, but if you want to get the maximum uh positive effect of garlic, you have to eat it raw <laughs> there's ah. all, when when you smell when you're cooking garlic and you smell that beautiful aroma, it's all those sulfur compounds that are have the medicinal effect uh, going up into the air in your kitchen
0: hmm. So, um, if it's cooked in a sauce, not so good for you, but still not bad for you, obviously. Yeah,
1: yeah. It won't hurt you, and it'll have some medicinal positive effect. But, again, some people swear by buying garlic pills and all this stuff, and don't waste your money. I mean, if you really are serious about um, garlic as a supplement to your diet to improve your health, then... What people oftentimes do is take a raw garlic, throw it into a blender with their orange juice, uh, blend it up, drink the whole thing, and there you have it.
0: Wow. Uh, and I'm just imagining going into work after that drink. <laughs> <laughs> right
1: At, our, at the, my favorite garlic festival in Socrates, which I hope will be held uh, this year, it's, it's always the last full week in September in the Hudson Valley. It's run by a wonderful local Kiwanis club. It's been going on. We get like 80,000 people over two days. Um, We give away garlic, raw garlic cloves um, that have been covered in dark chocolate. So Mm. you got a couple health things going on there.
0: Yeah, that sounds amazing. Any other (laughs) uh, garlic recipes or unusual garlic treatments that you want to share?
1: Well, I think you know one of the things that gets promoted is roasting garlic, where you take a bulb, you cut the top off, and bake the whole thing uh, after drizzling it olive oil and herbs, and then you got to squeeze the soft garlic out of the individual wrapping uh, of each clove. That's fine, but I think an easier way and. My, one of my favorite magazines, Cook's Illustrated, uh, says, don't don't go through that hassle. Uh, make a garlic confit, which means you um, break up the bulb, peel all the cloves completely, throw the cloves into a small saucepan, cover it completely in olive oil, and then slowly uh, poach it or saute it very slowly, low heat on top of the stove. And you can then watch the degree of caramelization Hmm. um it's much easier to serve plus you get the bonus of all that olive oil that's now infused with garlic it's great
0: Hmm. and do you just um slather that on bread absolutely Mm
1: -hmm. slather on bread or pizza or anything
0: and then the leftover garlic oil you might just dip some bread in
1: that's correct yeah sounds good
0: (laughs) (laughs) now making me hungry so um Black garlic. What is it?
1: Well, you know, it's funny. It's I've never I think I've had it once. I guess it didn't stick with me. I mean it basically it's a fermented garlic. Hmm. And I know it's uh, the latest rage among um people who like to cook and eat cook and eat, but um yeah, you'll have to find it at a store. I, I don't know how one makes it themselves. This fermenting, but I'm sure you can go online and see what people have mm-hmm. to say.
0: Yeah, so it's just a treatment. It's not that you're growing a variety called black garlic.
1: That's correct. Mm-hmm. That's that's probably the key thing you gotta, gotta keep <laughs> in mind. <laughs> Don't go to your farmer's market asking for I like to grow some black garlic.
0: <laughs> so um any other unusual ways that garlic is served at some of the garlic festivals?
1: Well, at the garlic festivals, you can get anything with garlic. Garlic cannoli. Garlic... <laughs> I, <don't know. laughs> I think um, I might
0: put the, that might be my line right, right there. <laughs> garlic
1: beer. Uh, people will try anything. In fact, beer. at the, hmm. at the uh, Socrates uh, at the Hudson Valley Garlic Festival, all the vendors have to serve at least one item on their menu that has garlic in it mm-hmm. and so they there can be some strange things that are being sold
0: hmm. i could think maybe a garlic donut might also <laughs> right. might also be my where my line is drawn <laughs> <laughs> but you never know could be good hmm. so um that festival as you said uh is usually towards fall yes the
1: last last full weekend in september Mm -hmm. um in hudson valley and it's again if you're just starting it's um, a wonderful place you can buy garlic there that that you can take home with you and grow and also you get to talk to all but there's probably about 40 to 50 growers small farmers and they're more than happy to tell you what you know what they do to grow their garlic mm-hmm. um and like i said usually the weather's spectacular they have music crafts um and it raises money for the local community through kiwanis
0: and i imagine there's probably some speakers there talking there's about speakers. Garlic. There's speakers mm-hmm.
1: there's the garlic seed foundation as i said is a co-sponsor we we uh have a number of speakers throughout the day that's where i usually give a talk about growing garlic in your backyard um and they'll again it's a it's just a a good time well
0: it sounds wonderful any other festivals uh, there's obviously the famous one in gilroy in gilroy California, yeah and in California. sadly yeah. the mm-hmm. the
1: gilroy garlic festival has been canceled this year because mm-hmm. of the pandemic mm-hmm. um the Hudson Valley garlic festival are they're, they're going to hold off until next month to see uh, what's possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, I think was an elephant garlic festival in Southwestern Virginia, but I have no idea if that's still going on.
0: Yeah. And I had heard of one. Um, and maybe that's the same one we're thinking of kind of in the Lynchburg area of Virginia. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that one. It was I'd more of a wine festival. Yes. It was wine and garlic. I think is what the, the, the advertisement i saw for it yeah and we do hope for it with the tacoma um farmer's market the tacoma horticultural club and washington gardener magazine that if we're not able to do it this july at the farmer's market that we'll be back next year
1: um, absolutely
0: it's usually i think the second sunday of july that we have it here and again free tastes free recipes and, and lots of garlic advice
1: Yeah, I think that's a wonderful thing that uh, the Tacoma Farmer's Market has uh, been able to adapt to the new requirements of the pandemic. Uh, they're back to their location. It was their last weekend. Mm-hmm. And it's now um, sort of like the grocery stores. It's, the traffic's one way. So as one way to um, keep people safe. Mm-hmm.
0: And then the other way to ensure social distancing is maybe to eat a lot of garlic. <laughs> well, <laughs>
1: there, at one point there was some stuff on the internet saying that garlic was a way to uh, fight off the virus, but don't believe any of that. That Mm-mm. is just not not true.
0: No, I think it. You know, it boosts general health, but right. not specifically for this. Okay, well, Tony, it was so great having you talk to us all about garlic. Um, any last thoughts? And then how can people get in touch with the Garlic Seed Foundation?
1: Again, just Google it, uh, Garlic Seed Foundation. We publish a newsletter uh, sporadically, to be honest. But uh, the website has a lot of links and uh, information that is... Um, valid. There, there, There is a lot of misinformation about garlic and growing garlic on the web. So mm-hmm. um, go to that, go to our uh, the Garlic Seed Foundation website. Contains links. Another place that has just top-notch information is the Cornell University Extension. Mm-hmm. Some of the best research be- is being done there. And um, I think between that's probably the best way to to learn more.
0: Great, well, wonderful, Tony. I have my garlic just harvested and curing on racks right now. So I'll yeah, have to... I'm so surprised
1: you've already harvested mm-hmm. it. That's early, it seems to me. But I'll have to come and take a look at it.
0: Yeah, definitely come by, and we'll and we'll make some comparisons. Hopefully for <laughs> a great. state fair entry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you again.
1: All right, Kathy. You do wonderful work with, with this uh, podcast. Thank you. Thanks Thank for you. the invitation to be a part of it.
0: We loved having you. No stress gardening. Why I stopped worrying and learned to love the weeds. You can always tell a new gardener by their anxiety level. They want weed-free beds instantly full of flowers and bountiful tomato plants hanging heavy with blemish-free fruits. Old hands at gardening know that flowers are overrated, tomatoes may fall to blight, and that gardening is about the experience, not the results. Gardening is not about perfection. Bugs eat leaves, squirrels and birds peck and take bites from fruits and veggies. Your neighbor's kids come by and grab a handful of flowers leaving deadheaded stalks. So what? New flowers, leaves, fruits and veggies will replace those you've lost and life goes on. That's the great thing about gardening. It teaches us the cycle of life and also patience. If it doesn't happen for you this season, there's always the next one to look forward to. And each season has something unique and beautiful about it. Even I, a professed winter hater, am grateful for the slowing down of outdoor chores during that cold season, so I can concentrate on seed catalogs, catching up on garden reading, and planning for next year's garden. Not only that, but gardening teaches us to be in the moment. You experience just what is in front of you when you are planting, pruning, or weeding. Your mind has a clarity that a Zen monk would envy. Gardening has a rhythm all its own. You cannot rush a seed to sprout or a flower to form. It will do it in its own good time. Next time you stress over a plant that is not growing fast enough for your yearning, remember the old garden adage, first year sleep, second year creep, third year leap. As many veteran gardens can tell you, soon enough your pots and beds will be overflowing and you'll be spending your gardening time dividing, moving, and removing plants rather than rushing to fill them in. Finally, gardening is all about sharing. All those plants you will soon be dividing can be given to neighbors, friends, family, and new colleagues. Eventually your big tomato crop will come and you'll have sacks to give out to anyone you meet. You'll wonder why you ever stressed and next year, garden anxiety will be a distant memory. Thank you for listening to Garden DC. You can become a listener supporter by going to anchor.fm backslash Kathy-Gents backslash support. For as little as 99 cents a month, you can become a listener supporter and we'll give you a shout out in a future episode. Another way to support Garden DC is to go to washingtongardener.com and subscribe to Washington Gardener Magazine. Plant Profile Lavender. Lavender is a sub shrub that is both beautiful and useful. From making soaps and perfumes to flavoring cocktails, lavender's benefits are many. That wonderful scent that we are familiar with resides in the flowers. Those same flowers are a huge attraction for all kinds of pollinators to visit your garden. Lavenders need full sun and good drainage. Picture them growing in their native Mediterranean region, and that will give you a clue as to where to place them, specifically on a slope or edge of a rock wall. The usual cause of death for a lavender plant is that the roots rotted by being kept too wet over the winter time. You can increase drainage by adding chicken grit, crushed oyster shells, or gravel to the soil when planting it. There's no need to fertilize lavender, though if you can add a bit of lime to the soil, it will be happier. To keep them healthy, space the plants far enough apart for good air circulation, and mulch around them with gravel to prevent infected soils from splattering on the lower leaves. Lavenders should be shaped up in early spring once they have leafed out. Cut just the dead tips off, so you don't mistakenly go too far back into the woody parts of the stem. After they finish flowering, you can also remove the wiry sticks that remain after the fir- first blooms have faded, to keep the plant tidy and to encourage a bit of reblooming later in the summer. English Lavenders are the hardiest in our area, and the varieties Munstead and Hidcote are widely available. The Lavendin hybrids Provence and Grosso also do very well here in the Mid-Atlantic. More recent introductions to try include Phenomenal, which was bred by Lloyd Traven at Peace Tree Farm in Kintersville, Pennsylvania. The best time to harvest lavender is when just a few of the buds on the stem have bloomed. Try to harvest early in the morning after the dew has dried. Allow the stems to dry by hanging them upside down, Then remove the dried buds for use in sachets to place in a drawer or under a pillow for a good night's sleep. Lavender, you can grow that. What's blooming in my garden this week? common milkweed is putting on a huge show in my median strip pollinator garden it smells like a honey bath out there and the bees are going crazy between rainstorms that is campanella pink chimes also known as cherry bells have formed a nice little ground cover under a flowering plum tree by my back door and they look adorable right now the astilbe are ending Several clematis vines are blooming, coming and going, including jackmanii and my favorite silver moon, taiga, has already ended, and I have a native little clematis that's actually just started, so I'm looking forward to seeing that sporadically bloom on and off over the summer. Several daylily cultivars are at their height, I would say and hostas are blooming and they're just starting for me several of the miniatures including the mouse ear series um hosta june and even some of the unnamed plain old plantain uh, hostas are blooming and you know I think hostas are underrated uh, for their flowers. Mo- most people grow them for their foliage, but I really enjoy the scent of hostas. I enjoy cutting some of the stalks and putting them in mixed bouquets. And I enjoy seeing them in my garden just for what they are. They're a long lasting bloom. And even the seed head is quite decorative. I leave the seed heads up, um, hoping that they'll of course seed around a bit, but also because i found um, several of the songbirds like to, to dine on those hosta seeds. Um, so don't cut back your hosta seed, um, and flower stalks so quickly to clean up your, your garden at the end of summer. Leave some up for the birds. You can find Washington Gardener online at washingtongardener.com, on Twitter at WDC Gardner, on Instagram at WDC Gardner, and on Facebook.com at Washington Gardener Magazine.